Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the witch's wheel of the year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight sabbats. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. Happy Samhain season, witches, pagans, heathens, and all good people of Earth. Uh, we are officially, officially in Samhain season. Uh, thank you for joining me here on Ye Old Podcast. Um, let's let's get grounded in what we're doing and let's uh, take a look at what we've got coming up this week. Um, I am, as usual, going to organize our information this week a little bit differently. Uh, you know me, this is an experiment. It is a ritual. <laughs> and, um, and we are trying out new forms from time to time. Uh, we are in Samhain season. Um, and if you have not, uh, uh, my Samhain class is up on YouTube. You can watch it there. It is also distributed video and audio on all major podcast platforms. Go check it out. Uh, big, gigantic, ridiculous thank yous to my patrons who support my work and make it possible for me to offer those classes for free. Uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, if you are a fan of this work and you would like to support it, you can send me a tip. You can subscribe to my Patreon um, for as little as a dollar to just say, wow, gosh, Meigs, you're doing such a great job. Uh, if you subscribe at the Venus level and higher, that's $9 a month and higher, you get access to the workbooks and the calendars and the digital spells and all of the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, along with like a whole bunch of tarot classes <laughs> um, uh, for each of the Sabbaths that we work through. Folks that subscribe at the Mercury level, uh, which is $5 a month and higher, get access to the weekly notes for the podcasts. Um, folks that subscribe at the Sun level, that's 23 bucks a month, uh, can schedule... Uh, readings with me to work through the wheel and work through this material. We look at your natal chart, we can pull tarot cards, all of that good stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who supports this work. Thank you for being here with me uh, while we work through this stuff together. Um, I keep forgetting to say this part, but let me get it out of the way. Uh, please like comment, subscribe, whether you are watching my stuff on YouTube or you're listening to it on a podcast platform, please leave a rating, please leave a review. It helps so much. It's almost more helpful than sub subbing, <laughs> honest to God. <laughs> uh, it it's, it's wildly helpful. Um, if you love it, share it with your friends and family, your coworkers. That's always very humbling to me and really incredible when folks trust my work enough to share it with their loved ones. Um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for all of that. Thank you. Okay. 
Let us get into this podcast. This is Samhain season, waning moon in Leo, lunar week 31. Uh, if you have been here on Earth in the last, I don't know, uh, 3,000 years or so, it's been kind of crappy. Um, it has been especially bad, uh, you know, really the whole time, <laughs> honestly. What are we going to say? Since October 7th, since 1948, since, you know, 1492? Like, when when did the bad times officially begin? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, Exactly. Um, but what we are witnessing in this world is the death of dinosaurs. We are seeing the death of the patriarchy, the death of the curiarchy, uh, the death of these oppressive systems. They are, of course, trying to take us out with them. Yes, that is happening. Um, but that is why they are fighting so hard because they know they're ending. They know they are on their way out. Um, and liberation for all people of Earth. It's only a matter of time. Keep pushing. The baby is coming. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't mean to make light of uh, the tremendous suffering that is happening on Earth right now. Um, but I do mean to uh, make hope. We cannot lose hope at times like this. Um, we must keep pushing. We must keep pushing. Okay. Uh, that said, there are um, some links in the description of this podcast for uh, information resources about uh, ways to educate yourself on the history of Palestine uh, and supporting the people of Gaza uh, and the West Bank and Palestine at large. Um, lovingly, lovingly, let me say to you, my, my dear and gentlest of readers, well-meaning middle-class liberals are going to be the fucking death of us all, respectfully, if you folks can't get over what you don't know, and what makes you uncomfortable. We all have to do it, but you guys are a huge group of people. And no, I do not include myself in the middle class. I make about $20,000 a year, give or take. I don't, I've, I've, I've never been in the middle class. <laughs> I've also never been liberal. <laughs> well, that's not true. I was liberal when I was younger, when I didn't know any better. I am very much a leftist now. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I think you probably all know that about me. I'm pretty transparent about money. I'm pretty transparent about my political beliefs and, and uh, you know, how I see things in the world. You folks, you folks, lovingly, okay? Really, truly, I'm calling you in, not calling you out. I'm not leaving you to this. I'm not letting it go. Um, you've got to face your discomfort. We collectively as Westerners and Americans and, and people with white or white, light skin, you know, cisgendered folks, uh, heterosexual folks, like all of the people that have been projected as the, as the majority, we're not the majority. Um, we have to get over ourselves. We have to get over our discomfort and we have to get over our egos when we recognize that we don't know what's going on. 
we don't have a full understanding of the situation. Um, we thought we could trust XYZ source for information. And it turns out that's not the truth. And here's what's frightening about that stuff. Let's just name it, right? If I face a piece of propaganda, right? Let's say there's a lie that I have believed in, in my life. When I turn inward and I face that lie and I begin to examine that thing and I begin to disassemble it, it's attached to other beliefs. It's attached to my understanding of other things in the world. And when this thing starts to unravel, that thing starts to unravel. And then this other thing starts to unravel. And then it's like, oh my God, I'm with, I'm, I'm seeing the downfall of the system and the system is part of what my life is built on. This is that stuff that we astrologers and witches and weird workers have been talking about for a few years now with the Pluto square and other stuff. But you know, this be, and the, the Saturn Uranus square that we had back in 2020, when a lot of this stuff really kicked off, um, you know, in the modern, most modern era, um, this is that thing. It's simultaneously recognizing on a moral or an ethical, a philosophical and existential level. Wow. These systems are bad. We shouldn't live like this as humans. Gosh, it'd be cool if we had, you know, a different way of life. And then on a material level, which is where our survival instincts kick in, we go, uh, you're not fucking with my stuff. You're not destabilizing my world. Get away from me. Yikes. I'm going to keep voting for the bad guy because it keeps everything business as usual. I'm going to keep sticking with the, the devil I know because I'm afraid of the devil that I don't know. That stuff. This, this is that. This time period that we are in right now that feels very destabilizing because many wolves are being pulled off of many eyes and we are seeing, we are witnessing the beast. We are recognizing how deep in the belly of the beast we are, those of us who are in America or, you know, I'm going to say probably a lot of folks who are in the United Kingdom, not everybody. Uh, I see you, Ireland. I see you, Ireland. Um, you know, <laughs> I know what's up. You've been out there fighting the whole time. But um, this is that thing, right? We're moving from it being a philosophical quandary into the lived experience. And it's hard and it's frightening. Keep pushing. The baby is coming. Keep pushing. This is why things like mutual aid and binding and bonding with your community members is stressed so heavily by folks like me and folks in our world, um, because we cannot do this alone and we will need each other's help as these systems collapse, as these paradigms collapse, as our understanding of how it is, quote unquote, collapses. We're going to need each other. We need each other now. We're going to definitely need each other in the future. That's, that's this thing. This is, this is the stuff. Here it is. We're doing it. So drink some water, you know, <laughs> put on some comfy pants, 
<laughs> and let's get into this shit because <laughs> it's not going away anytime soon. This is us. Uh, we are settling a tab that several generations before us rang up. Is that fair? I don't know. I don't think so. It feels, it doesn't feel fair, right? It doesn't feel fair, but here we are. And we have the power collectively to set it right or right her for future generations. And wouldn't it be amazing if we could even solve one of the global issues for future generations, guaranteeing health care for every single person on the planet? Wouldn't that be a tremendous thing to gift to our, our future relatives, right? The people, whoever they are that come past us, come after us, that kind of stuff. But for now we tear down and it is destabilizing and it is frightening and it's good. It's horrifying, but it's good and right. Okay. This week, our lunar week begins Sunday, November 5th, 2023, 1.36 a.m. Pacific Standard Time with a waning half moon in Leo at 12 degrees. This moon is square Jupiter retrograde at 10 degrees of Taurus. It is also square Mars at 16 degrees of Scorpio. And normally I wouldn't bring in Scorpio because it's or the Mars thing, but it's literally conjunct the sun. The sun is at 12 degrees of Scorpio. Mars is at 16 degrees of Scorpio. So we really cannot ignore the Mars factor here. So, oh, and just to make things extra fun, uh, we also have Chiron at 16 degrees of Aries trining the moon. So what do we get with all of that stuff? Well, this is, we are in Scorpio season, right? So our, that's a fixed sign and all of our major lunar phases are going to be moving through the fixed signs as well. So this one is in Leo. When we are hanging out with the waning half moon, the moon and sun are square to each other. So we already know that there is tension, there is friction, there's an argument, there is some kind of adjustment necessary uh, to a, a, a half moon. That's the work that we're doing here. And when it's the waning half, um, it's about adjustment and release. Uh, in our plant metaphor that we work with every week, the waning half is where the fruit begins to wither. Um, and we have to think to ourselves what needs to change in spite of, or maybe because of our success or our failures, what is hard and what needs adjustment, what maybe needs to be released or let go of around specifically pride power, leadership, risky behaviors, the need to be in the spotlight. We have Mars as a part of this square conjunct the sun. So the sun might be really wanting to identify with Mars, war, uh, aggression, impatience, uh, passion that can turn errant, 
That's probably the most diplomatic way I can say that. Um, Mars is only concerned with what it wants and going after what it wants, driving in, thrusting in, pushing in and getting what it wants, pushing into the future and grabbing what it wants now. That's Mars's concerns, generally speaking. Uh, in the best case scenarios, it's doing that on behalf of the collective, but Mars is definitely a solo planet. So it's usually really only concerned about its own needs. And then we also have Chiron as a part of that conversation, right? The sacred wound. Um, and the, the thing that always hurts. And potentially the wisdom that can be gleaned from those wounds and our attempts to heal those wounds or deal with them in some way. And then we also have a square from Jupiter and Jupiter in biggins, Jupiter puts a big magnifying glass on things and it can make stuff way bigger than it needs to be. Uh, but sometimes when it exaggerates things, it makes it easier for us to see it. And so sometimes a square from Jupiter can be helpful in that it sticks that thing right up in our face and is like, yo, here it is. <laughs> like, you better deal with me right now. Hi, hello. But Jupiter also can bring fanaticism. It can bring dogma. It can bring in uh, the negative and exaggerated sides of religiosity. Um, remember that Jupiter is connected to Sagittarius and Pisces. And uh, Sagittarius can be very dogmatic and can be very fanatical. It can be very rigid in its beliefs, in its religious and spiritual, in specifically religious beliefs. And Pisces is very spiritual, but it wants to be a martyr. It, it, it leans into victimhood and it seeks the places of oblivion. Uh, Pisces is that energy that's like, you know, what, what's the point of living? Um, let me just dissolve myself into the universe. So that's the energies that we're starting off the week with, uh, this moon that is square to all of these energies. And, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty, <laughs> pretty dead on with what, what we're experiencing and seeing in the world, right? What need, what's hard and what needs adjustment? What re, what needs release around pride and power and leadership and risky behaviors and the need to be in the spotlight, all of that Leo nine stuff. Um, you know, Lee and I, Leo can be magnanimous. It can be protective. It can be generous. Um, but when we are squaring Leo energy, it doesn't want to do that stuff. It wants to be prideful and boastful and hog the spotlight and, um, flex its power. So I think we, I think we're all on the same page with that stuff. How do we work with this stuff on a personal level? Well, for us as individuals, um, I think that this is a moment of adjustment around, again, as I was kind of saying at the beginning of the podcast, putting our egos down, putting our pride down and saying what I thought was true is not the truth. 
And rather than protecting my ego, uh, you know, and being sort of a, a diva about it all, uh, let me get over myself a little bit. And let me say, I didn't know. And you know what? It's okay. All of us didn't know at some point. But then you recognize that you don't know. And now it's your job to know. It's, 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 your, it's your responsibility to know. So in this, I hope that this is a moon that can help you put down any diva tendencies that you might have, put down any places where your ego is feeling sore or sensitive about what it doesn't know, um, and pick up your generosity, pick up your magnanimous attitude and, um, and, and be big hearted, but that's very difficult right now. Right. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day about this. This is that thing that so many deities talk about being in touch with the heart of the world, being in touch with the pain of the world and social media, uh, and our technology in general gives us that opportunity. We all can know everything immediately. We are watching multiple genocides happen in real time. Uh, does that have an effect on our psyches? Uh, yes. Yes, it does. And it should. It would be bizarre if we were not affected by this. Um, and so our, our moment in Leo here also is that moment of recognizing, you know, the pain of the romantic to not be able to live in the beautiful world that we know is possible, um, to not be able to live in fraternity with each other in a way that we know is possible. So, um, you know, I mean, it gets said a lot, but let this moment radicalize you. <laughs> and, and, and this is that. Um, so what needs adjustment? What needs release around this stuff for you? And it's a square. So it is going to be difficult. It's going to be a funky internal conversation. It might be funky external conversations with other people where people are like, Hey man, you've been saying X, Y, Z since, you know, the beginning of October, I got to correct you on some things. And that might be the time for us to be quiet and listen. Um, and recognize the lies that we've been fed and the truth that we have been, um, kept from just that stuff. You knew, you knew the leftist rant was coming <laughs> in the first 20 minutes. You knew it was coming. Okay. With our waning half moon in Leo for our lunar body work, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, or otherwise restoring the back, the heart, the circulation, the blood. As I say every week, I am not a doctor of the human corpus. I am a fucking witch yelling about things on the internet that I wish were better. <laughs> Do not take my medical advice. Please check in with your trusted health advisor if you want to integrate any of this information into your health routine and you can always work with the metaphor. So does your heart need a rest? Uh, is your blood boiling and it needs to cool off? 
part of being diligent in our um in our push for liberation is not emptying our cup out and exhausting ourselves to death um part of the privilege that we have in the West is that we can eat a meal, take a shower, rest, and come back the next day, calling representatives, sending emails, all of the, all of the things, all the things that we need to do, joining blockades, whatever actions you are participating in consistency. And that comes from utilizing and not just feeling guilty about the privilege that you have to go to bed at night with no bombs falling outside of your house, eat a full meal in the morning when you wake up, take a shower, put on clean clothes, listen to your favorite song, turn the lights on and off, have running water in your house. Utilize those privileges to be strong and to do the work that other folks cannot because their time and energy is going into just surviving. And this is all very Scorpio to me. At the deep heart of Scorpio, we are dealing with sex and death. We are dealing with rot and rebirth and transformation and healing, but healing out of the wound, healing out of the poison. And Scorpio for me is a lot about shared resources as well. And witnessing the composting of old things and the breakdown of old things to provide the fodder for new things to grow. And it's a gross process. It's ooky. Um, and so here we are in the midst of it. For our plant body work, uh, we can be, depending on where you are in the world, fertilizing, cultivating, cutting trees for lumber and firewood, pruning our tree, trees, doing any pest or disease control, uh, planting roots, trees, perennials, biennials, as well as plowing and harvesting our below ground crops specifically to eat or dry or store. Okay, now, and I know this is a little unusual, stick with me. We are going to roll to the next lunar phase that we have this week, which is Thursday, November 9th. Let me take a little sippy. And let's get into this. Okay, so our next lunar phase of this week is Thursday, November 9th. 3.43 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else around the planet, uh, we have our balsamic moon in Libra at one degree. And this moon is conjunct Venus in Libra at one degree. Uh, it is also having a few other conversations in the sky, but those planets are a little bit further away. Uh, this moon is sextile Mercury at 28 degrees of Scorpio. It's trine Pluto at 28 degrees of Capricorn. And it is opposed uh, by Neptune at 25 degrees of Pisces. Um, 
but I want to talk about this, this Venus bit first. So, um, Venus moves into Libra on November 8th at 1:30 in the morning at Pacific standard time. We'll talk about that more in the astro section in just a few moments. Um, but the thing that I want to talk about with this Venus situation is one Venus rules Libra. So Venus feels very, very comfortable in the sign of Libra. Venus has been in Virgo this entire time and it doesn't like hanging out in Virgo. Virgo is too work oriented. Uh, Virgo is too utilitarian, right? Virgo is like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm wearing overalls because they're comfortable, not because they're cute. <laughs> and Venus is like, um, excuse me. Uh, no, we're only wearing things because it's cute, <laughs> not because it's useful. Um, so Venus was not having a good time in Virgo. It has now moved into Libra where it is much happier in general. Plus, and also it is the planetary ruler of Libra. So it's like, this is my house. I know how this works. Let me do my thing. Okay. So important to note that for the next bit, Venus is going to be really strong because it's in its own house. It's in its own, not house, excuse me. It's in its own sign. Libra, of course, is our sign con concerned with what? Harmony, diplomacy, justice. It's even connected to the justice card in tarot. Social demands and the social milieu, the social networking and social connections. So Venus loves being here, but it's important to remember that Venus hates confrontation. Venus absolutely does not want confrontation. Uh, does that mean no war? No. <laughs> what it means is no talking about it. What it means is I don't want to argue about this. Um, what it means is let's sweep this all under the rug and get on to par the part where it's cute and, and we can enjoy a cocktail hour again. <laughs> Pleasantries while the barbarians out there are doing whatever they're doing. Mm, that thing. Um, and so as we move into the rest of this month, um, we may see may most likely, right? We're going to see a lot of, uh, diplomatic, uh, bullshit. Let's just call it what it is. Um, because the imperialistic <laughs> nations of this world, I think really thought they were going to get away with this, um, with very few complaints. And I think they were not at all ready for the clapback, uh, for how loud it is and how widespread it is and how quick it is. Um, you know, again, talking about dinosaurs, we got a lot of dinosaurs in our, in our government here in America. I'm sure that's the truth in a lot of other places around the world. And they all think things run the way it ran 25, 35 years ago. They do not understand how fast things move these days. They are not keeping up with the, with the kids. And, and I think that a lot of these countries, I mean, there was just a, a story published today or, or, or yesterday around, you know, the U.S. telling Israel, you need to hurry up and do whatever it is that you're going to do because we, time is running out. People are flipping out and you got to go if you're going to go, um, which is awful, right? It's already horrifying. It's already like unimaginably horrifying. And now U.S., the U.S. is encouraging Israel to pick up the pace. And, 
and, uh, and really go for it. So back to this moon, <laughs> this moon is a balsamic moon in Libra at one degrees, one degree, excuse me, conjunct Venus. What are we doing with a balsamic moon? Um, it always makes me think about vinegar, right? Of course, balsamic, but specifically the idea of distillation. We are distilling down everything that has happened for us in this last lunar process. And really even further back from that, right? Because these are our first moons out of coming out of the um, eclipse window that we just had, you know, a week ago, right? Week slash two to three weeks ago. And, um, and so these are our first steps into whatever is going to play out for the next six months based on those eclipses. Well, we've seen <laughs> how it's playing out in the world, right? We've seen it. Um, and so, you know, what are we doing with a balsamic moon? We're asking ourselves, like, what did we learn? What did we earn? What are the results? Um, this moon is all about the concentrated results. And it's also about the future pull. The balsamic moon is very pulled by the future. It's ready to turn into that new moon. It's ready to be done with this lunar phase and this lunar portion of the process and get into the next lunar cycle. Libra, social demands, justice, diplomacy, harmony. What are the concentrated results of this last month, this last lunar cycle when it comes to diplomacy and justice and social work? I mean, you know, <laughs> the punchline kind of writes itself, doesn't it, guys? Um, it's pretty wild and it's pretty funky. And this is also why people practice astrology and witchcraft is because <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a weather report sometimes. And so how, again, do we work with this as individuals? <clears throat> well, we can ask ourselves, what are the concentrated results of this last month for me? In all of the stuff that I got up to, but in particular, I can think about my friend groups. I can think about what is my conversation with the idea of justice? What is my internal dialogue and conversation with myself when it comes to issues of diplomacy and how nations get along with each other and all of that stuff? Again, remember this moon is sextile Mercury in Scorpio. So Mercury, the planet of communication and thinking and data, is very tuned in, dialed in to the Scorpionic attitude. And it's at 28 degrees and 49 minutes. So we could kind of round that up to 29 degrees. Uh, Pluto as well at 28 degrees and a few minutes. So we wouldn't necessarily round that one up, but we, we would in some astro systems. And then Neptune opposing this entire thing. Neptune in Pisces. We've talked about that Pisces energy already. Pluto as I mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, can't leave it alone, right? It's got to be meddling with this situation in, in one way or another. Um, and Pluto is the plutocracy. It's, uh, it's scorpionic. Um, and it is very concerned with Plutonian power. Um, and you can think about that in whatever ways make sense for you. <laughs> um, you know, in the very best of circumstances, Pluto is showing us where 
the rot is and where the healing could happen. But oftentimes Pluto is like kind of in charge of the rot and kind of in charge of the corruption. Um, but on purpose, like, Hey, how bad are you going to let me get is sometimes how it feels when we're working with Pluto. Pluto's like, I'm going to get as bad as you let me get. So how bad does it need to get before you're willing to stop me? Before you're willing to try to do something to, to change me. That kind of stuff, right? So, so again, does it get easy anytime soon? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but again, the, these, these uh, experiences, these lunar processes in, in our astrology are pointing the way. They're pointing to the work. Um, that we need to do internally. And they're giving us a vocabulary to, or a lens to look through at world events. Um, do I think, and we've talked about this here on the podcast before, but if you're new, do I think that the planets are causing these things? No, I do not. And yes, I know that a lot of astrologers do uh, interpret astrology that way. Cool. Not, not here to argue about whether it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that um, when I look at this stuff, I think of the planets like road signs. If I'm driving on the freeway and I pass a sign that says LA in a hundred miles, the L the sign doesn't make LA exist. The sign is letting me know that LA exists. And so that is how I interpret astrology. Uh, these planets are letting me know what the cycles are that we are in. And then I can move accordingly weather report. Um, so the concentrated results and the future pull around social demands, diplomacy, justice, and harmony. When we are working with our lunar body during a waning balsamic moon in Libra, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, and supporting or otherwise restoring the hips, uh, the kidneys, and the bladder. And we talk about uh, the lunar process here in Virgo as dealing with uh, the pancreas and one of the other, a couple of the other organs that produce enzymes that help us filter out the stuff that we don't want to keep, right? That very detail-oriented Virgo thing. Libra, harmony, friendships, networking. Libra is working with the organs that decide what we do want to keep. And so that too is important for our metaphor as we're working through this. Um, in the balsamic moon that is so ready to be done with this current lunar cycle and excited to jump into the next lunar cycle with this Libra energy, with this Venus energy that's you know right there at one degrees, there is a whole lot of like, Hey, let's just sweep it under the rug. Let's just keep it cute. Let's just let bygones be bygones. You know, well, wow, a couple bombs fell. Sorry guys. We can all be friends, right? Libra or this, this portion of Libra is saying, what about this? Do I need to hold on to? What about this? Should I not forget? What about this is it's not time for me to let it go. So that may be a part of your process as well. For our plant body work, we are planting for beauty. Uh, we are planting root crops, viney crops, hay, fodder. We are harvesting seeds and roots to replant for later. 
put a pin in that because I have a, a mention about that. We are fertilizing, we're cultivating, uh, we are cutting trees for lumber and firewood, we are pruning trees, we're doing pest and disease control, uh, we are planting roots, trees, perennials, biennials, we are plowing, we're harvesting for below ground crops, or we are harvesting our below ground crops for eating, drying, and storing. Now, all of that said, um, there is a tradition in some communities around Samhain that you really ought not to harvest much of anything or even anything at all after uh, October 31st because the Puka Fairy has kissed it, aka you're going to die or trip balls or be taken into the hollow hills and the underworld by the, the, the furious host, <laughs> um, you know, choo choose your fighter. Uh, but, um, we know that there are crops that are absolutely completely safe to harvest throughout fall and completely through winter. Um, but there is a suggestion here that something has shifted, something has changed. And so, you know, if you are a person who grows things outdoors, you know that there is a moment in the fall season when it just gets too rainy and it gets too murky outside and that stuff is starting to become covered in mold or insects, or it's just literally starting to decay. And we let it go back to the earth undefiled. <laughs> um, so, you know, your mileage may vary on the whole harvesting things after Samhain. <laughs> your mileage may vary. That's what I'm going to say about that. Um, okay. So those are our two moons that we are working with this, this week. And I think, I, I think it makes sense why I wanted to, to start with that and stay focused on those guys. Now we are going to go over our astrology for the week. And I think it's going to complement what we've had to say about the moons. So let's get into that. Um, starting uh, November 5th, Sunday, we've got our moon thing. And that's all for our astrology of that day. There's no other major movements that I feel a need to talk about. So moving to Monday the 6th, we have two transits. One, we have Venus uh, in the last degrees of Virgo. Remember I said it moves into Libra on the 8th. This is the 6th. Um, Venus in Virgo trine Pluto in Capricorn on the 28th or at 28 degrees. Uh, and then later in the day, we have Mercury and Scorpio trine Neptune in Pisces on uh, at 25 degrees. And both of these may be helpful, even though they are bringing in some heavy influences to the lunar portion of the conversation as standalone transits, they may actually be helpful for us. So it's nice to have them uh, in a nice mood <laughs> at the beginning of the week <laughs> and, and in a place where they might be helpful. Um, Venus trine Pluto in the best of circumstances. This is a great place for grounding into your body, grounding into your values. Um, if you are a person who has started to get really swirled up in world events and you're starting to get confused and you're starting to think like, Oh God, should I have posted that? Oh man, is this a good news source? Da, da, da. Those are all great questions to ask, but uh, start with grounding into your values. What are the most important things to you? 
You know, uh, you know, I got caught up in an argument with somebody the other day and I realized that I wanted to pull out these wild arguments that just, you know, had so much information and so much detail them. And I was like, no, 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 this is a trap. This argument is a trap. Let me ground into my values right now. What is the most important thing? War is bad. Yes. Children should not die in war. Yes. Argue with me about those things. Go ahead. You know, it shut it down. <laughs> um, but, but it also helped me stay very centered and not get lost in the sauce. Um, and so this is a, a transit that may help you in your process around that. This is a transit that can have some level of repair to it too, because Venus is still in an earth sign and Pluto is also in an earth sign. So this is really about the material world and like physical work and um, work in meat space, work in the, the real world. So this might also be a day where, you know, social media advocacy is not as important as attending a protest or making those phone calls or sending those emails or doing something in real time with in the, in the real world. Um, the other thing that I will say about this transit is that it can be a day of very, very deep emotions. So if uh, the grief is really intense for you on that day, this may be an indicator of that. Um, and, or from separate from world events, this might be a really fantastic day for having a deep heartfelt conversation with someone um, that you've needed to have that kind of conversation with and make that make that connection or repair that connection. And then later in the day, we've got Mercury in Scorpio, trine Neptune in Pisces at 25 degrees. This is extremely spiritual. Um, you know, Scorpio, water sign, Pisces, water sign. These are two of the three signs that are, you know, naturally inclined to be a little more intuitive, a little more sensitive, whatever. Everybody can do it, but in different ways. Um, and Mercury and Neptune are like, let me think about spirituality. Let me talk about spirituality. Let me research spirituality. But this can also be a place where secrets are revealed. Um, collectively, these two transits, I think, can be really supportive. And, uh, and they may feel like a moment where you can breathe a little bit or relax a little bit um, and, uh, and, rep and do some repair. Um, this type of supportive astrology is not going to last through the month. And we have a bit of it this week. So I highly recommend that you utilize these uh, more positive and supportive transits this, this week. Um, okay. Tuesday, the seventh, nothing of note Wednesday, the eighth, as I said, we have Mercury, excuse me, we have Venus moving into Libra where it is in rulership. So it is very stoked and also excited and glad, um, in a vacuum, in a neutral setting, uh, Venus in Libra is extremely flirtatious, is very lovely, is quite cute. Um, very concerned with justice, but can kind of be a little superficial about it. Sorry, Venus. Sorry, that that's the truth. Um, 
so we may see a lot of a lot of performative bullshit <laughs> respectfully speaking especially with the week starting off with the with the waxing or the waning square in leo little little performative yeah maybe could be a little bit um but again aside from that uh venus in libra is a fantastic time for zhuzhing up your wardrobe for making things cute in your house going to get a cute haircut uh you know all of that stuff for really like feeling yourself and coming into like looking good and feeling good eating tasty food listening to your favorite songs burning your favorite incense all of that stuff this is this is what's up uh venus and libra is like i'm gonna enjoy it and it's gonna be cute and all of us are gonna look good so get it right um and then later in the day we have mercury and scorpio sextile pluto and capricorn at 28 degrees again supportive again a helpful transit most likely um this is a transit that can really assist in deep profound and clear direct communication um healing conversations um another fantastic day for really intense research um and an interesting thing with Mercury trine Neptune and with Mercury sextile Pluto, both of these transits can indicate secrets being revealed, hidden information coming to light. And so all at the same time, uh, more horrors may yet come to the surface. And at the same time, it might be a, well, now we all know now it's now the cat is out of the bag sort of a moment um it may be some honest to god good news i don't know maybe our congress people are going to stand up and grow a spine we'll find out um but again this may be just moments for you in your personal life where you have this moment of clarity and emotional support and mental fortitude um to dive deep with pluto with loved ones or family or friends and have some deep conversations and get things clear um and um get things back on track with your people could be that okay thursday the 9th we have our balsamic moon in libra and then uh that night slash the next day for everybody else around the planet we have mercury moving into sagittarius now a lot of folks might think that mercury would be stoked to hang out in sagittarius it's actually not super stoked to hang out in sagittarius because um mercury is the ruling planet of uh both gemini and virgo gemini opposes sagittarius and virgo is square to sagittarius they are all mutable signs um, Mercury wants to hang out with the little details and Sagittarius wants to look at the biggest picture possible. And so Mercury can kind of get lost in the sauce. Here is that moment where information overload may start to take place. And back to what I was saying at the beginning of this, grounding into your values might be the way to uh find yourself again if you get lost in a conversation with somebody or lost in your research or or you know trying to learn more about what's happening in the world um 
uh, Mercury and Sag can have a hard time because it's like, hey, I want to gather all the data. And Sagittarius is like, are you sure about that? <laughs> because I, ha I have all of it. Like, I have all, all, this, all of the data is here. <laughs> like It's as much as we could fit. And Mercury is like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, that's how it can be hard for Mercury in Sag. It's like, oh, too much information, too much data. I don't know where to go. Um, spinning in circles. Where it's awesome is that our thinking becomes more expansive and hopeful. Um, our conversations are more optimistic and expansive and we are more open-minded and more broad-minded. We are excited to find out about what we don't know. Um, Sagittarius has that whole travel thing connected to it and like long distance travel. Long distance travel can sometimes literally mean flying halfway around the planet. Hooray. We love, we love a trip. Um, but it can also mean, you know, going on a trip <laughs> and it can also mean, um, meeting somebody from a faraway place or talking with people that have a radically different worldview from you. And the outcome being that your understanding of yourself and your understanding of the world at large is broadened and expanded through your research, your conversation, your experiences with this stuff that's different for you. So it can be difficult for Mar for Mercury, but we can work with it and it could be really, really helpful given some of the challenges that we have going on on the planet at this time. Um, okay, Friday the 10th, we have Mercury and Sagittarius square Saturn and Pisces at zero degrees. <laughs> so as I said, um, <laughs> we have a little bit of helpful, uh, astrology, and then we don't have helpful astrology after that. <laughs> um, and so this is, you know, in a way we could say this is the beginning of the hard times. <laughs> um, this is, uh, dogma. Um, this is conservative thinking. This is very stiff and concretized. Um, you know, Saturn wants to stick with the tried and true, wants to stick to tradition. It wants to stick with what's already been established. This is just the way we do it. Quit arguing. And Mercury's like, I want to talk about it. I want to think about it. And it's in Sagittarius. So it's like, hey, look, I brought 17 pounds of data with me. And Saturn is like, I don't care. This is the way it's always been done. This is the tradition now. So suck it. Figure it out. Um, this is dogma, right? This is that, like, my, my thinking has become rigid and fixed. Sagittarius, again, that's religious energy. Um, Saturn, Mercury, sorry, Mercury in Sag, that's religious energy. Saturn in Pisces, that's that oblivion martyrdom thing. Uh, yeah, right? Ugh. In the face of everything else that's going on in the world, ugh for how we might experience it on a personal level, this could be a real bummer day. We might be feeling super lonely. We might be feeling super isolated. We might be feeling just straight up depressed on a day like this. Um, and this is happening at the lovely time of 7.07 AM in the morning Pacific Standard Time. So this is happening for all of us all day long around the planet and into the night, uh, depending on where you are. And it's a Friday 
right? Not a super fun way to set up the weekend. Um, but uh, in a if there is a positive way to work with this aspect, it's a square, so it's fussy by its very nature. Um, but if there is a positive way to work with this aspect, this is another great day for study and research by yourself. Um, and spending time with yourself and, um, you know, getting some work done. But if you are beating yourself up over things or you're being super mean to yourself or you're like, I'm alone and I'm going to be alone forever, or you've got friends or loved ones who are texting you or calling you and saying, hey, let's go hang out. I haven't seen you in a while. Are you OK? Let's hang out. Answer them. Go hang out. Say, I'm in a bad mood. I feel funky. I feel like I feel depressed. But yeah, let's go pout at the park together. Because <laughs> that's what friends are for. <laughs> All right, moving on to the 11th. But before that, how about an ad? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you a bajillion billion times. See, the, the sirens are going off even as I say it. Um, thank you so, so much to my patrons. Um, you guys don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Thank you so much. Uh, you can sub for as little as a dollar if you just think this podcast is dope and you want to support it. Uh, I don't run ads on the podcast. Um partly because I don't want to and partly because I won't get paid even if I do. Uh, so screw them, man. Um, you can sub, as I said, for as little as a buck or $5, even if you want to just support the podcast. And this is plenty of information. But if you want even more information, um, you know, extra podcasts, extra videos, extra information about the Wheel of the Year, magical practices, tarot, etc., etc., uh, subbing at the higher levels, you get all kinds of cool free stuff. And at the even higher levels, uh, you get free readings every month with me um, to be able to integrate all of this information into your personal life based on what's going on in your natal chart and all of that other good stuff. Join and change your life forever. Or, you know, whatever. Thanks so much for the support. If you can't support financially, I completely understand because life sucks on earth right now. It's too expensive for everything. Um, tell a friend, share it on social media, uh, give it a thumbs up. If you're feeling especially hedonistic, you can leave a rating or a review. All right. That's the end of the ad. Let's get back to the podcast. Okay. So <clears throat> I don't mean to be an alarmist. But Saturday the 11th, Saturday the 11th, uh, has, um, has some not great astrology, uh, at 1, 1, 1, 1 11 PM Pacific standard time later in the day slash the next day for everybody else around the planet. So this is November 11th, 11, 11 at 1, 11, you know, <laughs> I'm, I don't go in super hard on the, on the, on the synchronicity with numbers, but, uh. <laughs> we have Mars in Scorpio opposing Uranus in Taurus at 21 degrees. 
This is described by nearly every astrologer that I listen to and nearly every book that I referenced on this as specifically the word explosive. Um, anytime we have interactions between Mars and Uranus, you can go back and listen to my old podcasts. I will say, watch out for accidents, slow down in traffic, give yourself an extra five minutes, look where you're going, make sure your shoes are tied. And that's because Mars is very impatient and wants to just get there yesterday. And Uranus is also very focused on the future. And it's like, I just want to get to the results. Let's pow, 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 let's move. And so between the two of them, we're not paying attention to where we're going. We're not paying attention to the here and now. We are too focused on that thing in front of us. And accidents can happen. You could trip off a curb or whatever. Again, not saying the planets are causing this, saying the planets are indicating this cycle. But given world events, given the context of everything that we are talking about, this uh, does not bode well. Um, Mars is all about war and uh, Uranus is Uranian. <laughs> and, uh, and it is very focused on the future, come hell or high water. Remember, Uranus is that energy that we work with that comes in and busts up stuff. It breaks up things. It breaks up the ground. Literally, the metaphor that I often use to describe working with Uranus is going into the garden at the end of winter and breaking up the soil to prepare it for whatever is coming next. So, um, you know, on an individual level, this could be a day of feeling super impatient, um, future tripping, um, getting into like weird arguments that go nowhere, um, literally getting into an accident or having an accident or hurting yourself in some way. So slow down, take a minute, be careful. On the world stage, this may indicate something really, really horrifying more somehow even more horrifying than what we've already experienced. Um, we know that America um, has plenty of um, atomic weaponry. And so, and a as do other countries around the world. We're not the only ones. And vengeance, you know, is an element in the, in the combination of these two planets. Um, Again, bringing it back to the personal level, when we're dealing with Mars, uh, and you know, I don't go in for the medical astrology. If you work with me, you know, I always say this, <laughs> like, I don't do medical astrology, but when we're working with Mars, things can get inflamed. They can be irritated. They can be infected, hot, puffy. Uh, Mars is about cutting. There can be surgery involved. There can be blood. When we're dealing with Uranus, it's about the nervous system uh, and feeling shock, um, feeling uh, disassociation that can come with that. Um, and so if you're a person who has anxiety, this might be a day where you really need to put your... Uh, Put your systems in place, have your helpers ready to go, your people, your systems, whatever it is, your smelling salts, you know, like whatever it is, you may need to have that stuff ready a day in advance just to make sure that you've got it if you need it. Um, if you're a person that has problems with your nervous system, you might, 
again, same thing, you know, put your systems in place that you need um, to take care of yourself. Uh, And again, not a doctor, not a doctor. So, you know, lady on the internet yelling about uh, peace. Um, But 11-11 at 1-11, not not super duper great. Um, Shocking, explosive, frustration, vengeance. Okay. And then Sunday the 12th, we don't have any astrology of note. November 13th, that's our new moon in Scorpio. Um, We're, you know, just just as a little spoiler, uh, we will have the sun in Scorpio opposing Uranus and Taurus at 21 degrees. So where Mars goes, uh, remember, we're starting off the week with a sun Mars, basically a sun Mars conjunction. It's continuing through into next week. So that stuff. Okay. So that is, those are, I should say, our moons for this week. That is our astrology for this week. And so now I'm going to get into our fixed stars and some of the holy days that we are working with this week. I'm not going to talk about all of them simply because we don't have time. And there's just a few things that I want to focus on. Um, So for our fixed stars this week, we are passing through or experiencing the heliacal risings of the fixed stars, Zubin al-Ganubi and Zubin Eshamali. And these represent the northern and the southern scales in the constellation of Libra. Um, Yes, I know we were just talking about being in Scorpio season, but when we're talking about the heliacal risings and the fixed stars, we're talking about what's literally happening in the sky. That's sidereal astrology slash astronomy. And the sun is passing through the stars of Libra. And so hanging out with these stars, um, there is, there's interesting symbolism here. Um, Zubin el uh, has been considered part of Scorpio. Uh, Zubin Eshenamali, uh, is also some at times considered part of Scorpio has been considered part of Scorpio at other times. Some of these stars in Libra were considered part of Virgo. So there's sort of this sharing or maybe a tug of war over this small little stretch of the sky between Virgo and Scorpio. Um, And these two stars represent this idea of the full price and the, the price not paid or the not full price. And there's, a lot more to these phrases than unfortunately, like what I have time to get into here, but ultimately what it's talking about are the two scales in Libra and one of them being the right weight and one of them not being the correct weight. When we think about Libra, we think about balance, right? We think of that sign of Libra, the scales and This is something that I talk about pretty extensively in my uh, two hour lecture on the justice card, which is available for patrons. Um, And 
we think uh, we might think of the the scales of Libra as static, as holding perfectly still and holding this balance. But in fact, a word that is magically associated with Libra is action. Another word is karma. And it's because there is this constant rebalancing. There's a constant movement. There's a constant swaying between the two sides. One's too much, one's not enough. Now it's the other, now it's the other, back and forth and back and forth. So there is this constant movement, not a static thing of perfect balance, but an ever uh, an, an ever seeking of balance when we're hanging out here in this sign and, and with this symbolism. So when we're hanging out with these two fixed stars, there's this suggestion of... Um, one thing being in balance with the universe and one thing being out of balance with the, with the universe. And Zubinel Ganubi uh, specifically is the Southern claw or the Southern scale on the, um, on, on the scales of Libra. And it is a fixed star that has a bad reputation, like straight up bad reputation, malevolence, obstruction, unforgiving character, violence, disease, lying, crime, disgrace, poison. Symbolically, it's called the insufficient price. Um, uh, disgrace, criminality, uh, war, confiscation of possessions during times of war, specifically connected to this. Um, you know, and again, it's like, I, I don't, I don't need to make anything up. The, the truth is weird enough. Right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I'll say it again. I'm getting a lot of this information from the astrologyking.com website and their information about fixed stars. That's not the only website I go to, but, but it's the one that, that I often am quoting here. Um, and I just want to read this little bit of stuff. The South scale was classified by Ptolemy as a Jupiter Mars star, meaning that the star kind of has the vibes of Jupiter and Mars, not unfitting for the prime star in the sign, which has so much to do with justice, whose feminine personification on the dome of London's old Bailey court is a lady with the scales of Libra in one hand and the Martian sword in the other. Jupiter is fair and merciful, even though they must point a sword to the guilty, beneficent to the plaintiff who has been wronged. Not that human judges always measure up to that high ideal, and that means all of us in our judgment of others, not just those paid for the job. The South Scale, as an astrological feature, contains all of that allegory well-aspected and on the right planet in a horoscope we have someone of courage to fight for the right but generosity to his opponents when they are defeated if harshly aspected especially to mars saturn or the moon justice may well take a back seat to vengeance such a person does not do well to get into any kind of job where he can use his power for surely he will himself live to regret it in public discourse, or excuse me, in public dishonor, or worse. It goes on, but I, I think you get the sense here. Um, right? Tough stuff. Harsh judgment 
and also the opportunity to put yourself in a place where you get to screw people over uh, and um, tip the scales in your favor if you are so inclined. Hanging out with this, the, the fixed star Zubaneshamali, and side note, both of these names are Arabic. They come from the Arabic. Um, Zubaneshamali is the northern claw or the northern scale, and it is symbolically called the full price. Um, and this is a star that is connected to positive events, positive uh, thinking. It's, you know, as, as uh, old astrologers compared this star to the energy of like a mix between Jupiter and Mars, this star is compared to a mix of Jupiter and Mercury. And so it's expansive in its thinking, it's beneficent, it is optimistic, it's hopeful, um, it's aimed towards honor and happiness and high ambition, um, you know, walking the most honorable road and, um, and giving the fair price, right? Um, being fair in the, and judicious in its use of its power or whatever. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to get any of that this week, unfortunately. I don't know if we're going to get any of that this week. Um, but those are our two fixed stars that we are working with this week. Uh, just so we know, um, Zubin El Ganubi is, uh, rising November 7th and Zubin Eshamali is rising, of course, November 11th, um, with that, uh, with that Mars Uranus opposition. Okay. So now, uh, let us get into a little bit of our holy days this week. We have a lot of stuff going on, but we have too much to focus on. <laughs> um, starting off the week with uh, our United Kingdom Festival, Guy Fox Night. I don't know if anybody uh, there is uh, familiar with Guy Fox. <laughs> Interesting time for that to come up. <laughs> um, but if you haven't seen the movie V for Vendetta, you might go check it out. I <laughs> just, you know, randomly, it's a thing. Um, Remember, remember the 5th of November and, uh, Guy Fox was a person who, um, stood up or attempted to stand up to the monarchy and was going to blow up parliament, um, because, uh, he was pissed off about taxes and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> um, but, uh, he has become the symbol of people who speak truth to power and attempt to stand up to world governments, um, on behalf of the people. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, other stuff happening this week, um, November 5th. Also, I will mention, uh, this is the death date for Freighter Mathers, a uh, very, very, very influential magician, uh, member of the golden dawn and, and many other folks, uh, many other magical groups, uh, running from November 6th through the 30th. We have our Leonid's meteor showers. You can look that up on space.com or timeanddate.com or whatever to, to find out uh, if you'll be able to see them in your area and what direction of the sky they will be coming from. Um, okay. Also on the 6th, we have, uh, well, this week we have an interesting collection of festivals. November 6th, we have from our Babylonian friends and ancestors, the birth of Tiamat, from our Egyptian friends and ancestors, the night of Hokamaat, um, 
from our global pagan friends and ancestors. We have Witches Remembrance Day from our um, pagan friends and ancestors running from November 7th to the 9th. We have the Feast of Divine Justice. Um, also on November 7th, we have uh, Old Celtic New Year slash that is the date for Solar Samhain this year. That's when the sun will be at 15 degrees of Scorpio. And this would have been the date back in the day when Samhain was celebrated. Um, and also this week, uh, November 10th, from our pagan friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of the Furies. And then uh, November 11th, from our Egyptian friends and ancestors, we have the Killing of the Enemy of Set. And from our Irish friends and ancestors, we have um, Lunatashi. And so collectively, this is a whole run of festivals and holy days that we see here in the heart of Scorpio season, right? It's passing right through the middle of the sign um, that are dedicated to dark goddesses, goddesses that are crones, uh, goddesses of death, goddesses of change and transition, as well as things like Witches Remembrance Day, uh, Feast of Divine Justice, Feast of the Furies, where there is also this calling back too, and uh, and I also should say uh, Lunatashi, um, this calling back to goddesses and other feminine archetypes and really other just pagan archetypes that have been suppressed, that have been oppressed, that have been erased, um, and, um, you know, that people have tried to destroy. Remember, Tiamat is one of our great creator goddesses. And it was super spiffy Marduk who decided to chop her up into pieces. The world was contained within the serpentine coils of Tiamat. And then Marduk, with his bright ideas, decided to chop her up into pieces and chaos took over. So thanks, Marduk. I say this every year, but honest to God, if I ever meet that guy, he owes me five bucks and he knows it. And I think he stays away from me on purpose. Um, but we have a variety of holy days this week that speak to that frustration, the, the goddess of the betrayed, goddesses like um, Medusa and the Gorgons. Um, and and this this energy of the suppressed, this energy of those who have been um, slighted, those who have been cast out, uh, and um, you know just a just a recognition of that energy, and all of them are lined up for us this week. Um, other stuff that's going on this week. From our Incan friends and family, we have Puno Week, which is a celebration that happens on the shores of the Lake Titicaca. There's dances and stuff gets pretty wild. Um, from our friends and ancestors in Bolivia, we have Dia de los Niatitas. Uh, apologies for my pronunciation there. Um, and this is where thousands of Bolivians come to La Paz and celebrate the day of the skull. And this festival takes place basically about a week after the day of the dead. But I think it's really just kind of a continuation of it. I, I don't think that the day of the dead celebrations really stop. I think they might culminate in this. This is a 
pre-Christian, uh, pre-Columbian tradition. So it is an extremely old tradition. Um, everybody heads down to the central cemetery, grabs a skull. Uh, they bring it to the church to be blessed. And the skulls are given hats and food and flowers and treated nicely. Um, and then, you know, uh, they ultimately are honored and given gifts and all of that stuff. And then, you know, the skull must be respected, but, or otherwise it'll bring bad luck. Um, but if the skull is properly taken care of, it might be asked for a favor, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, and, uh, and they're offered coca leaves and cigarettes and serenaded and all of this other stuff. And so there's this acknowledgement basically of the ancestors in this work of the people who came before us. Um, and, uh, and, and a recognition of like, you're still members of our community and we're still asking you for your help and your guidance and <laughs> still hoping that you will be down to, to do that for us. Um, okay. And uh, the last couple of festivals that I want to talk about for this week um, are, one, we have Hesel Beremi from our friends and ancestors in Turkmenistan. And this is uh, an extremely old uh, harvest festival. It's celebrated right at the end of the harvest, like the second Sunday in November. Um, it's basically celebrating the end of the agricultural work season. There's uh, people sh party and feast. They show off their crafts and their wares. Um, there's competitions and there's horse racing. Um, there are these beautiful horses that are natively from Turkmenistan and people show off their horses and race their horses and do all kinds of cool stuff with them. Um, and so that's happening. Um, we are having a few other uh, end of end of harvest festivals happening around the planet. Um, but a lot of that stuff has wrapped up. And so the last bits of stuff that, that I want to talk about uh, running from November 10th to 15th from our Hindu friends and ancestors, we have Diwali or Deepavali. It's pronounced both ways. Um, starting on day one, we have uh, Donteras, which is just the beginning of Diwali. And Diwali is basically like a, New Year's celebration. Um, to be very accurate, well, accurate-ish about it, Hindus celebrate multiple New Years throughout the year. This is the New Year celebrating the dark half of the year. But specifically what this celebration is about is the spiritual victory of light over darkness, the spiritual victory of good over evil, and knowledge over ignorance. The festival is widely associated with Lakshmi and both Lakshmi and Kali, you know, we love Kali here on the, <laughs> on the podcast. They both have their pujas or their big festivals, November 12th, just before the Scorpio new moon. Uh, this festival is connected with those goddesses as well as Rama, Vishnu, Krishna, Yama, Durga, uh, Hanuman, Ganesha, etc., etc. Um, it is a huge deal. It is a very, very big deal. Um, leading up to the festival, folks clean, they renovate, they decorate their homes with lights and oil lamps and colorful art. Um, people will try to go buy a new piece of clothing or get a new piece of clothing to have something that represents newness. 
Um, if they can, if they have super spiffy clothes, they wear those. Everything is lit up. The yard, the house, everything is lit up. Um, and lots of ceremonies of worship to Lakshmi, who is the goddess of prosperity and wealth. Um, there is a big Lakshmi prayer in the Mabin book, because sometimes this festival falls at the end of Mabin, and sometimes it falls here in Samhain season. Um, but there's a big uh, prayer dedicated to Lakshmi there for anybody who would really like to work with her. They light fireworks. They partake in family feasting. It's just, it's like, a it's, it's a major, it's a major hoedown. <laughs> it's a major hoedown. Um, and, uh, and again, the emphasis here is about bringing light in to the darkness. Um, and I love that there is that stress on not just good over evil, not just happy over sad, not just, oh my gosh, the sun's going down earlier, so let me put up some more string lights. Specifically, knowledge over ignorance. That's what's up. That's what we have to call in right now. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, knowledge over ignorance. We have to face our discomfort. And this holiday is giving us, well, a lot of the holidays this week are giving us an opportunity to mourn and they're giving us an opportunity to tap into those parts of our own cultural histories and genetic histories uh, where our people were colonized, where they were oppressed, where they were suppressed. Um, and not necessarily letting go of that rage and that anger and that pain, but then utilizing a festival like Diwali and the beauty that's in that as a place to transform that rage into momentum, to challenge the ignorance in yourself and call in the knowledge and the open-mindedness that's required for us to move forward as a species. I mean, You've heard me say it here before, but we have to figure this out as a, as a species or we're going to fucking die. I mean, that's what's up. Like <laughs> there, we live on a ball. There's no corner <laughs> on a ball, right? There's no little place where I can go tuck myself away and be extra, extra safe, you know, and let you all fight it out. Like it's all going to come to our front door eventually. Uh, and so let us, let us light a candle and not just curse the darkness right now, literally. Okay. For our witch's work this week, our tarot card is death. Um, I know that we have our Newman and Scorpio at the end of the week. Uh, and so maybe you want to save the death card for that. If you do, uh, I think this week could also be a great time for working with, um, really any of the cups cards that are associated with Scorpio. So, um, uh, five of cups, six of cups, seven of cups, five of cups certainly is very appropriate this week. Um, in this time period that we are in, um, you know, if you feel like you are having a hard time being open hearted, maybe working with the six of cups. If you feel like you are having a hard time separating out fact from fiction, maybe work with the seven of cups. 
Um, if you feel like you are having a hard time really coming into touch with your grief and understanding how to work with it and then work through it, um, how to hold it um, and still move in the world, maybe the Five of Cups. Uh, I think any of those tarot cards could be helpers for us. Our witchcraft work, call your fucking representatives. Be a menace. You voted these people into office. Make them work for it. Be a problem to these people. Send a thousand emails. Make a ton of phone calls. Put a sign in your window. Uh, you know, there's potentially some actions on Wednesday and Thursday this week on a local and national level. You might check around online and see what's up with that uh, and see if those are things that are appropriate for you to participate in. Um, these, this is, this is witchcraft. This is witchcraft. It is imperative right now for us to light a candle and not just curse the darkness. Keep pushing. The baby is coming. Blessed be, witches.